Kansas Memory, a Kansas State Historical Society podcast featuring glimpses of Kansas history from documents in the Library and Archives collections. From 1991 to 1996, the Kansas Historical Society participated in a grant project that funded 80 oral interviews with people who were involved in or affected by school desegregation cases that culminated in the U.S. Supreme Court decision, Brown v. Board of Education of Topeka. The project was funded by the Brown Foundation of Topeka. These interviews give us invaluable records of the people involved, the long-term impact, and the events that led up to the case. This podcast features an interview on September 20, 1991, with Christina Jackson, a longtime Topeka resident whose children attended integrated schools as a result of the decision. Because the interview was conducted in her home, the sound quality varies a great deal in this podcast. The original interview contains racist language that some people will find shocking. Christina Edwards was born in Topeka, Kansas in 1926. She and her husband, Enoch Jackson, dropped out of high school to get married. They had eight children, and for years, Christina was heavily involved in school, church, and community activities. All but one of her children finished school, and she was very proud of their educational achievements. Reverend Oliver Brown was pastor of the AME church that the Jacksons attended. As a girl, Christina attended Washington grade school, East Topeka Junior High, and Topeka High School. At Washington, a school mentioned in the court case because it was for black children only, she enjoyed how much Principal Ridley incorporated music into their school days and also made sure that they learned about black history. Her children attended Monroe Elementary School but were transferred to State Street School after the Brown decision, and she discusses the transition at length. She and her children thought the black teachers had controlled their classes more strictly, but the teachers at State Street tried hard to integrate the black students into their classes and make the students treat each other right. She didn't think State Street was necessarily a better school, but appreciated that her children didn't have to ride the bus anymore. My kids went to Monroe School, and in talking to them this week about, and I knew this was coming on, they felt like that the white teachers did not have as much control over their classrooms as they did in the black schools. They said when they came over here to the white school, they couldn't understand people talking back to the teacher you definitely didn't do that in a black school. Did you get the feeling that, that the particularly the teachers of the four black schools there, the Kennedy, Buchanan, Monroe, Washington, did they communicate a lot with one another? I think. Well, I I think I think that they did because of of the interacting that that a lot of us did. But you know, when I was going to Washington School, Mr. Ridley. I mean, Mr. Ridley was so dominant with us learning our black history. I mean, he, he, we had, we had history relays, you know, that, mm-hmm. that some of that stuff has, has left me now, but you know, like all of those, those, those black people that mm-hmm. did all those things, I mean, he would walk through the hall and he'd ask you, you know, like, who's Marcus Garvey, you know, and mm-hmm. you better answer, and if you didn't answer, you would be punished in, in some insignificant way. You might have to go sit in his office and read and read about right. Marcus Garvey. But, mm-hmm. but he, he, I can remember 
that he he was that away. You know, the other teachers we didn't have that, but sometimes you know when you see Mr. Ridley coming, you wonder what he was going to say because he would walk into a room and and ask you something about Black history. Mm-hmm. He he, I remember that in in uh, in him. Did you feel at the time that both? Uh Gary and Richard and Jennifer were attending at Monroe that they had the same type of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, you know, like I said, that Richard particularly told me uh, some night this week. I talked to him that uh, the transition of coming from there to over here was so different. You know. As especially as far as the makeup of sitting in the classroom, you know, because he just thought that that those kids, he he didn't understand mm-hmm. that that they did because he said over here when he was in Monroe, he remembers his one teacher, Mrs. Vance. Richard was my quiet one, but he said that he always thought that Mrs. Vance was so mean, and he never liked to talk. And he has, uh, he gave me a story the other night that he remembers so vividly that Mrs. Vance went somewhere and got another teacher, another person, and brought him back in the room and made him read. And he said, she said, read this. And he said he read it. And he remembered her saying, come with me. And he went somewhere else. And he said he never could understand why they did that. <laughs> he said he don't know why. He said the only thing he remembers, he didn't like to be called on. And he made sure whenever he was called on over there, that teacher, he knew. Because he said she had a, ha- a thing of taking your hand and paddling your hand if you didn't know the, uh, the answer. But he said he could not wait to get out of, out of, out of her room. But, but he also said that when coming over here, there was the principal down here was Mr. Barkley, and Mr. Barkley was really a new person, and he believes this was at the white school. Yeah, no, this was at State Street. At State Street, and he said that they, he believed that they tried to really integrate them, you know, in. And that uh, all of my kids have, have said that that at State Street, when they first went to three, they first went, they were accepted, and they were told how to be treated. What year? Do you remember what year this was? Whenever Brown versus Brown was over with, what was that? This must have been sometime between fifty-four, five, mm-hmm. six, right in that area. In that, because they were. They, the three of them, were the first to, uh, you know, to, to, to enter that with, with others. Passed down years later, I would learn of some of the things that uh, did happen. My daughter said, and all the kids said, you had to line up for everything. They was always the last one in line. You know, the, these kinds of, of things. And, <laughs> my, and when they were in State Street, they felt like that they were treated much better than they did when they got to holiday in the junior high mm-hmm. because the state street kids knew them and they were uh-huh and then when they got to holiday they had another 
school further out in Oakland had nothing to do with black people that they were integrated with. They, and this was when they began to be called nigger. And, and we just didn't use that word in the house. It wasn't that we, we just didn't, you know, it wasn't no reason why we didn't, we just didn't. And they got called nigger uh, quite a bit. And my oldest daughter at that time was very timid and very quiet. And she was just a sweet little girl. I'm not prejudiced to see that. And so anyway, she would come home every day for about several weeks crying because somebody had called her nigger. And she says, Mama, I keep telling them that my name is not nigger. Because uh, one of the teachers even told Gary that they don't know when he was getting ready to go to Topeka High, you know how you get your classes ready to, you know, you get college prep classes. She told him that he would never make it to college, and so why didn't he take a, a trade? And so my son Gary is an attorney in Seattle, and he is over five states in its civil rights education. So, you know, that made something out of her, whatever. Yeah. You want to say so? We're you know we're very proud of him, and he has. I think our kids are doing. And Richard, he's in Denver. He teaches at the Metropolitan Denver College, mm -hmm. and he's teaching uh, criminal justice. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and Jennifer, she's in the college. She's a counselor. She has a a tutoring center in the college, and she's a counselor. So. Uh, you know, those those three were the, the main ones, and, and Junior kind of came in on the uh, tail end of that, and he's, he's my poet and reggae player and stuff like that that's, uh, you know, just in a different... You know what? The most important events in my life has been having my eight kids. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I, we're very proud of them, and we're... We are just elated at the strides that they have made mm -hmm. that my husband and I, you know, the only thing that we were able to give them was encouragement in the era that I came up in and the early years of my kid's life. You, you, you think, you know, you see everything as, as done good is done by, by white people. And and you would you would think that maybe if if your kids or you associated more with white, then maybe maybe rub off. Maybe it would rub off. Now to tell you just a little bit and uh, about about our kids, all of our kids. Our kids are very comfortable now with white people but they know they're black I mean they they know that and they will defend that and fight that this has been a Kansas memory a Kansas Historical Society podcast the documents used in this podcast are from Kansas memory a virtual repository of primary sources from our collections the URL for this website is www.kansasmemory.org